Hey, welcome to the podcast for Scotts Hill Baptist Church. We hope this message helps you discern what is true, what is right, and what is good. We pray it is an encouragement for you today. If you have a Bible or want to download the Bible app real quick and follow along, we're exploring the book of Psalm today. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Scotts Hill Baptist Church Online. We're so glad that you are able to join us this morning, whether you're in a, a watch party or with your family. We're so happy that you're able to be here. Now, for the next two weeks, we are going to continue online. We've had a couple of folks, myself included, who have contracted COVID-19, and so we were in quarantine, and we just wanted to make sure that we protect everyone the very best way that we can. And so for the next two weeks, we're online. But then on August the 30th, we're going to be back live, and we want to encourage you to join us as we continue to meet online and live in our worship center. Now, today we're going to wrap up our series on summer playlist, but I want you to know that next week we begin a new series called Neighboring. You're not going to want to miss this series. It's a very practical series and helping us to know what can we do during this time to really be good neighbors and impact the communities that we live in. Several years ago, I read a story that I often have used in memorial services. And it's a story about an elderly saint by the name of Aunt Mert. Now, Aunt Mert was going, goes by that name. The children in her church called her Aunt Mert. Everybody loved Aunt Mert. And Mert taught Sunday school for years and years. And every Sunday when Aunt Mert came to church, she would bring a bag of candy with her. And all the children would gather around Aunt Mert. And as they gather around, she would hand out the different kinds of uh, candy. She was the person that would write cards and letters to people regularly to encourage them. She, she loved to talk about Jesus and missions. And often, even in her elderly days, go on mission trips. Well, one day, Aunt Mert called the young pastor, Pastor Jim, to her home. And Jim didn't think anything of it. He's often gone to her home because many times she wanted to talk to him about how can we do a better job at reaching our community? How can we go on broader mission trips? So he was anticipating all of that. And as he got to the home, she said, Jim, sit down. I have some news for you. He sat down, and as he looked at her, she says, I have the cancer. That's right. The doctor says I have three months left to live. And Jim began to console her. Oh, Aunt Mert, I'm so sorry. And she cut him off. She said, look, 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 this isn't about me. So don't console me. Here's what I want. I want you here today so we can plan my memorial service. I want everything about my life and even my death to bring glory to Jesus. And so they began planning. She laid out all the scriptures that she wanted to be used during the memorial service. They picked all the different songs that she wanted to use and which soloist would sing and which duets would be there. She picked out the individuals that she wanted to speak on her behalf. And they spent probably 45 minutes to an hour working on the memorial service. And as they came down to the end of it, Aunt Mert said, I have one more strange request that I want to make to you, Jim. And I want to make sure that you carry this out. He said, well, Aunt Mert, what is that? She said, well, a couple of things. Number one, I want to be buried in my pretty pink Easter outfit. You know that pink outfit that I wear every year for Easter is my favorite dress. Can you make sure that I'm wearing that? He said, yes, ma'am. 
She said, in my left hand, I want my old Bible. You know, that tattered Bible that I carried for years and years is falling apart, and it's filled with notes and all kinds of outlines. Make sure that's in my left hand. He said, certainly will. And she said, and in my right hand, I want you to put a fork. And she showed him the fork. He said, pardon me? She said, I want you to put a fork in my right hand. He said, well, Aunt Mert, I'm not sure I understand. She said, oh, Jim, you know how we have those fellowships all the time after church. We go down into the fellowship hall and everybody brings their favorite dish. Everybody's sharing their food. And at the end of it, they pick up the plates and they pick up the forks, but they leave you with a spoon. And if they leave you with the spoon, you know that you're going to have something like maybe banana pudding. You may have something like jello, but it's not going to be something substantial. But when they take your spoon and they say to you, keep your fork, you know that something special is about to come. And when I'm laying in that casket, Jim, and when people are walking by in front of me and they see in my right hand a fork, And they ask, Jim, why does Aunt Mert have a fork in her hand? You tell them, because the best is yet to come. I love that old story. Because Aunt Mert was one of those individuals who had her eye in the present and an eye in eternity. The Apostle Paul lived the same way. In Philippians 1.21, you know this passage well. The Apostle Paul had this as the mantra of his life. He would often say, to live is Christ, and to die is what? Completed. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. The Apostle Paul understood that he was in two places. One place was in the reality of where he was now, and the other place was secured for him for the future. And Paul did not shrink back from the culture. He didn't hide in a monastery. He lived life every day with incredible passion and joy for the Lord Jesus Christ. To live is Christ. But Paul also knew this, that to die is gain. That the best is yet to come. And no matter how wonderful this life in Christ is on this planet, the best is still yet to come. The Apostle Paul would write later in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. No matter what we face here pales in comparison to what you and I in Christ are going to experience for all of eternity. You know, I read a statement the other day that I thought was really striking. The statement said this, Christians spend more time praying for sick saints, keeping them out of heaven, instead of praying for lost people, getting them into heaven. And I thought, wow, there's some truth to that. Because it seems to be that we're living in a time that people are so afraid to die. I've never seen believers so afraid To leave this life, but to live this life for the glory of Christ prepares us for better things to come. 
As we conclude our series today on the summer playlist, we're going to land on Psalm 16. And for many people, Psalm 16 is a very favorite passage. It's a passage that my wife loves. And I've come to love Psalm 16. And Psalm 16 is one of those psalms that begins with great praise, but it ends with extraordinary joy. It is a picture of someone who's looking at how God has blessed them in this life, but the best is yet to come. Psalm 16 is written by David. He's written in a time where there was some tranquility in his life. David was no longer on the run. Saul had given up on him for a while, and David was enjoying an oasis of peace. And so as David is doing this, he's enjoying this solitude. He's not living looking over his shoulder. He's not living wondering who's after him. Instead, he is resting. He is re being refreshed. And he is spending his time thinking about the incredible ways that God has worked in his life. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, Psalm 16, beginning in verse 1. David writes these 11 verses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. Join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, that you have given it to us to teach us what to do when we are in times of maybe a respite. Maybe we're in a lull. Maybe we're in a time of tranquility and we're waiting for something to happen. Thank you for the truth of this word as you guide us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, David is enjoying this tranquility. And in the midst of this tranquility, he thinks about three things. This psalm is broken into three sections, verses 1 through 4, 5 through 8, and 9 through 11. And each one of those, David is spending time during this rest thinking about God. Now, that's a perfect thing for us to do in these days because many of us are restless. I was last week 10 days of quarantine. 
forced me to do nothing but to think. And during those days, God refreshed my own heart. And many of you are in this time. Maybe it's like a lull. Maybe you're between jobs and you're wondering, what should I be thinking on? Maybe you're waiting for this pandemic to just end and we don't have to wear a mask anymore. Maybe all of this is getting heavy on us and we're losing sight of a godly perspective. Let this word encourage us today. Because David tells us we're to think on three things. And these three things get better and better as we get down to the end of the psalm. Here's the first thing David reminds us of. Always reflect on the greatness of God. No matter what we're going through, no matter what circumstances there are, God's calling us to reflect on his greatness. Verses 1 through 4, David reflects on the greatness of God in a number of areas in his life. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. He goes on. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. As David is reflecting on the greatness of God, he is looking to see God in his life in at least three areas. And here's what he tells us. He says, look for God in his power and his presence. As we're going through our days, we are to consciously look for the presence and the power of God. That's what David did. Matter of fact, when he says this in verses 1 and 2, David uses three different names for God. And each of those names is significant. In the English, we don't see this. But in the Hebrew, we do. He begins, preserve me, O Elohim. The word God. Every time you see God in the Old Testament, it's the word Elohim. Elohim is the creator, God. He's the powerful God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And so God's power is walking with him. For in you I take refuge, I say to Yahweh. Anytime in the Old Testament you see the word Lord all in caps, it is the name of God. That's his covenant name. David not only recognizes the power of God, but he sees the person of God. Intimacy, closeness with him. It's like if you know somebody or you don't know a person and you say, hey, sir. That's kind of an impersonal title. But if you know that individual and you say, hey, Bob, that's more intimate. And that's what David is doing here. He's just not calling God sir or Lord. He's calling him by his covenant name, which is a personal relationship with him. Then he says, you are my Adonai. Anytime you see the word Lord with the first letter in cap and the rest of it in a lowercase, it's Adonai. It means this, that love and protection are walking with me. So here's the picture. David is looking for the power and the presence of God everything around him. No matter what he encounters, he sees God's power that the creator of all life is there with him. He sees the personal God who knows him intimately is walking with him. And the one who is love and strength is the one who surrounds him. The picture is this. David is completely hemmed in in his relationship with God. 
There is nothing that can get to David that does not first come through the creator, through the personal God, through the one who loves him and protects him. This same Trinitarian God is our God. And in the New Testament, he's revealed by his attributes and his name and his character. He's the Father. And in the Father, he chose us in him from the foundation of the earth, and we are in his hand, and no one can snatch us out. As the Son, he is the Redeemer who died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us even now. And the Holy Spirit who indwells us and who empowers us and who seals us and makes us like Jesus, you and I in Christ are completely hemmed in. And no matter what we're encountering in our lives, we can see his presence and his power around us. And there's nothing, there's nothing that can come to us that doesn't first go through him. So look for God's power and presence. But David said there's a second thing of greatness we should look for. We should look for God in his people. I love this. David says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. David looked to the people who were his friends, the people of God who were his partners. And David had many, many friends and many partnerships. He had 30 men who would fight for him. Of the 30, he had three. And those three would give their lives for King David. And David understood that he wasn't living this life alone. In fact, this is what we need to understand about the Christian life. The Christian life is not a solo act or a monologue. You and I are not in this world serving Christ alone. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And here's the thing. God has given us friendships. I remember um, several years ago when Leslie was just a little girl. She was so scared of thunder. And every time it would thunder, she would cry out. And, and never in the history of our family did my little girl cry out for mommy in the middle of the night. It was always daddy. And when one of those thunderstorms was happening, she cried out, daddy, daddy. I get out of bed. I walk over there to her room. I kneel down by her bed. And she just grabs hold of me. And she's afraid. And I say, Leslie, you don't need to be afraid. Look, we have this house. It's protecting us. And God is with you. And she said, I know, Daddy. I know God is with me. But right now, and she grabbed my arms, but right now, I need somebody with skin on. That's what we need. And God is so gracious to give us that. And as we're going through this life and looking at the greatness of God, we can see that greatness in his own people. The people who come along and encourage us. The people who are praying for us. The people who are writing notes of encouragement. Those individuals who are walking with us. The people who call us. And the people who call our name to God many times we don't even know about. During these times, you can be that kind of friend too. As you can encourage one another. And we look for God in his people. But here's the third thing David says. Look for God in problems. 
Look for God in problems. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offering of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. What's he talking about? David has been looking at the landscape around him and he sees the idolatry. He sees the false gods. He sees the depravity. He sees the hopelessness of all of these people. And he's made a commitment that he would not participate in these pagan activities and wouldn't even list the names of the gods on his tongue. And what is he doing? He's seeing God's grace in all of the problems around him. That if it were not for the grace of God, David would be there. If it were not for the grace of God, David would be like everyone else. And when you and I are living in this world and we see the depravity and we see people living in deep darkness, it should remind us of God's grace in our own life that because of the grace of the Lord Jesus, he has rescued us from that and he has given us eternal life. So as we go through this law, look around for the greatness of God. You'll see it in his power all around you. You'll see it in his people as you walk together. You'll see it even in the problems as you look for his grace in your life. But David not only says that we are to reflect on the greatness of God. Here's the second movement. We are always to rehearse the blessings of God. You and I are to be rehearsing the blessings of God. Now, now David does this quite often. He usually gets into uh, um, some kind of sighing mood first, and then he moves towards a song. But he begins this whole thing with praise. And he's reminding us that in the midst of this quiet time, or maybe uncertainties, to rehearse in your mind all of the blessings. And he does that. This is what he says. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He goes on, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. There are four things here that David is looking to. And he says we are to look to. As we are rehearsing the blessings of God, Let's look for these things. First, look for God's providence. Look for God's providence. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. You see, David didn't have much of an inheritance from his family because he was the youngest of multiple brothers. But David knew that he had an inheritance in God. And God's providence had worked in David's life to bring him to where he was. Now, providence is not God pulling the strings and making everybody do certain things so he accomplishes his will. That is too simple. (laughs) Providence is God working behind the scenes, using the free will actions of men and women, their choices, their actions, their behavior. And even in the midst of all of that, God orchestrates things in such a way that he accomplishes his purpose in our lives. And you can think about your own life and think of the providence of God that's come through your life. I think about God's providence in my salvation. I was raised in a home that was not Christ-centered. But when I was in sixth grade, by the providence of God, I had a coach who for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
When I was in high school, it was the providence of God that he put a young man by the name of Terry Mitten in my life and began to share with me about Jesus. It was the providence of God that Danny LeBlanc became my friend and he invited me to a Baptist church. It was the providence of God that Brother Lucas was preaching a message and that night I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. That's just with my salvation. And you can think of the providence of God and how he constantly is at work in your life. And what an incredible blessing. There are no such things as luck or coincidence. It is God's purpose and his plan in working out in us. Look for God's providence. But secondly, look for God's pleasure. He says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I love this. This has been kind of a a, a scripture for my life. Because for me, things have fallen in good places. David is saying, hey, everything's just fallen in line. That's God's pleasure. And because of God's pleasure, God has given him sweet boundaries. And he can enjoy all the things of life. And we can experience the same thing. We can think about how our own lives have fallen in good places. I remember when I came into ministry, I prayed, I said, Lord, my prayer is this, is that you would give me a small church to pastor that I would learn to love people and lead people. Then you would lead me to a larger church and I would fall in love with those folks and I would spend all of my days there shepherding those people and retiring. Before I even had my first pastorate, that is exactly what God has done And for me, my lines have fallen in good places. Now, sometimes when we go through dark times and difficult times, because we all do, we tend to lose perspective of that. A pity party will always shade the perspective of God's blessings. But when we constantly remember God's pleasure in our life, it reminds us of those blessings. But here's the third thing. Listen for God's promptings. David says, when you're going through these times, continue to listen to the promptings of God. He said, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. He gets his counsel from the Lord. And I want to say something, that God loves for his people to come to him with questions. We see in in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 33.3, God says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We see that God wants us to come to him. And, 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 And I'm concerned many times for believers because I think God's passion to give counsel is greater than our passion to ask for it. And here's the second part of this, is the fact that even when we're sleeping, God brings counsel. Because our God never sleeps. He never slumbers. You and I many times can go to bed anxious. We can go to bed concerned. We can go to bed with all kinds of thoughts in our mind. But when we're sleeping, miraculously, the Holy Spirit does this holy maintenance in our heart and our mind. And we can wake up and all of a sudden know the peace of God and what we need to do. Look and listen for his counsel. And here's the last thing. Look for God's protection. 
David constantly looked for the protection of the Lord. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Now, I want you to notice what he says. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. David always had his sights on God. If there was an army advancing, his sight was on God. If there were difficulties, his sight was on God. If there were struggles within his family and rebellion, his sights were on God. In other words, God was like a template of his life. And that template of the presence of God, he put over every circumstance of his life. And David would not be shaken. He would never lose his faith and his confidence because God was always before him. What would happen if we lived that way? What would happen if the Lord Jesus is always before us? What would happen if we're dealing with temptation and Jesus is the template over that temptation? What would happen if we're going through some dark times and Jesus is the template over that darkness? What would happen if we are struggling with some kind of failure in our life and we could put Jesus as a template over every bit of that? We would never be shaken. And so look for the Lord always in the midst of these things. So David gives us these first two things as we're going through this quietness that we are to reflect in the greatness of God. We are to rehearse the blessings of God. Basically what David has given us is the spoon. And this is good. This is good stuff. Because these are the things that God is doing. But what David is saying is that's not all there is. There's something far greater because the best is yet to come. While these blessings and while all of this greatness is wonderful, this is not your best life now. Your best life now is to come. And your best life now is something that you can never lose. In fact, I thought of that statement. If this is your best life now, you've just confessed that you're going to hell. Because this is as good as it gets. And a person without Christ, this is their best life. But for those who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. And here's how David captures it. He says, always rejoice in the promises of God. Oh, you can hear the, the praise being amped up here. David has reflected on the past. He's rehearsed the blessings, but now he's looking to the future. And he is so excited he can hardly contain himself. He writes it this way, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. David is looking into eternity. David is looking to what is before him. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there are three things that David looks to. First of all, David looks at the resurrection. He says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. When you get to the Old Testament, you don't find a deep theology of resurrection. You don't find a lot of that. 
But David understood it. You remember when David and Bathsheba had that adulterous affair, and from that affair was a little boy who was born. But because of the consequences of the sin, God says this child shall not live. But David prayed and he fasted and hoped that God would show mercy. God did not relent and he took the little baby. David got up and someone asked him and said, why is it that you were praying but now you're no longer praying? And he said this. He said, he cannot come to me, but one day I will go to him. David had an understanding about the resurrection. David had a glimpse of something far beyond this life. David had an understanding that there was more to life than everything that he experienced here because the Holy Spirit allowed him to get a glimpse of something that is before him. Now, if that's not great enough, not only did he look at the resurrection, but he has a look at the Redeemer. He goes on, or let your Holy One see corruption. This is incredible. Who is the Holy One? The Holy One is not David. David never refers to himself as a Holy One. David only refers to himself in lower means, such as a flea or a dog or something like that. The Holy One represents the Lord Jesus himself. David understands fully that not only is there a resurrection, but there is a Redeemer who is the resurrection. And as he looks into the future, he can see the reality that Jesus will die, he will be buried, but his body will not be decayed. And if you go and look at Old Testament teaching, prophets held to this as a messianic psalm. Scribes and priests understood that this was speaking of the future Messiah. And David, we don't know what he saw, but he had a glimpse of the reality of a risen Lord. And we see that even when Peter preaches his first sermon on the day of Pentecost, he uses this very psalm to describe the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And 5,000 men come to faith in him that day. And then we see that also Peter, I mean, Paul also in Acts chapter 13 says that David died and he was buried and his body saw decay. But the Holy One was resurrected and his name is Jesus. So here's the wonderful thing. David sees a picture of the resurrection. He sees a picture of the Redeemer, the resurrection and the life. And here's the third thing he looks at. He looks at a relentless joy. There's a relentless joy. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David not only saw the resurrection and he saw a glimpse of the Redeemer, but David also saw the path to life. He didn't say he shown, made known to me a path. He didn't say he made known to me several paths. Many times when David is writing about the path of God, it's always in the plural. But here it's singular. There is one path to fullness of joy. There is one path to pleasures forevermore. There is one path to a resurrection 
There is one path to eternal life. And that one path is the Lord Jesus himself. And so for the child of God, we might be living in a day where we can say, boy, things are good. They really are. We see the power and the presence of God around us. We can see the blessings in our lives, and they're good, but they're not the best. Because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. The fullness of joy is the kind of joy that cannot be explained. It's super abundant to overflowing. The pleasures forevermore are not shallow earthly pleasures that you and I experience. They're going to be the kind of pleasures that you and I cannot even describe. I love the way the Apostle Paul, again, he writes in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. For those who are in Christ, he says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And then we turn to Revelation, as John writes, chapter 21. And we get a glimpse of heaven And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Why? Because the best is yet to come. Child of God, to live is Christ. To die is gain. So we live in this life reflecting on his greatness and rehearsing his blessings and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ for his glory. And that day when we take our last breath, we will experience everything that we have ever dreamt and far beyond the promises of Almighty God. So the uncertainties of our world do not stop the promises of God. The uncertainties of life do not rob us of what God has for those who are in Christ. And as we walk through these days, may you be encouraged by God's incredible love and the security that he has for us in Christ Jesus. If you're listening to this and you're not a believer, this is God's providence today that you hear this message. This is God's will that you hear these words. Because the fullness of joy will never be found on this earth. It would only be found in the path of Jesus Christ. And God wants you to know right now where you are that he loves you. There's never been a time he hasn't loved you. There's never been a time he hasn't known you. And he is calling you today to surrender to him. Because this is not the best life that God intends. The best life 
is in Christ Jesus, our risen Savior and Lord. And believer, live like the best is yet to come. Because there is more to come. I'm going to close this out in a prayer and Donnie's going to lead us in a song to remind us of this incredible promise that God has for his people. Father, thank you. Thank you that the best is yet to come and that we can rest fully in the promises of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have worked so wonderfully in our lives. But Father, may we trust in you and not fear anything or anyone. Father, the best is yet to come because we will one day see our Lord and our Savior face to face. We will embrace and we will experience the fullness of incredible joy. For those who are without Christ, Father, I pray your spirit would deal with their hearts today and that they would surrender and yield their life to Jesus. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Scotts Hill Podcast. Thank you to those who continue to give generously to this ministry. If you want more information about Scotts Hill, how to get connected in your community, or want to know more about Jesus, visit www.scottshill.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to get notifications of future episodes. You can also share it with your friends via text message or take a screenshot and post it on your social media stories. Make sure to tag us at Scotts Hill. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.